I feel like I want to go to Forks, um, mainly to like go to the same city that all the vampires were in, that the books that I read during my <laughs> <laughs> teenage years were really popular. But they leaned into that. I haven't been there before, in. but I heard that they leaned all in on that, and yeah. like they actually got some mileage out of that. Sheila's actually been, I've been. On the tour. <laughs> <laughs> she was sitting quiet there for a second. She was like, ah, do I let them know? <laughs> This is the AWC City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. At the start of the year, we released the findings from our 2020 State of the Cities report. It's a research project conducted here in-house by AWC. We surveyed our cities about the major challenges and issues they face and asked them to compare those challenges to the past and assess them with an eye on the future. The report unveils that information using facts, data, and graphics to demonstrate the current state of the cities. The report found that cities are facing greater responsibilities than ever before. This is alongside dwindling resources from the state. Cities are struggling to meet the most basic needs of their communities and are facing new challenges. The report spans nine chapters covering city budgets, public safety, human resources, infrastructure, transportation, affordable housing and homelessness, and economic development. I've got Sheila, Candace, and Maggie here with me today, and we're going to go over the findings and talk more about the report. Welcome, everyone. So the State of the Cities is something that AWC actually started doing in about 2005, and we did um, a number of State of the Cities reports for years that really highlighted the and communicated the fiscal conditions that cities were experiencing and kind of what was going on with them, the trends, um, hot topics that they were dealing with. And then we hadn't really done a big State of the Cities report in about 10 years. Uh, so our board this, um, well, last year adopted a strategic plan. And part of that was uh, focusing or refocusing our efforts on gathering more information about what's going on with cities, um, identifying more trends. And so starting up um, State of the Cities 2020, was a good way to meet that strategic planning goal and provide a, a new tool for cities to communicate uh, the challenges that they face, but also the opportunities that they bring. What are we hoping to achieve with this report? Well, I think the overarching goal is really giving cities a new tool to talk about what they do. So many people don't really know what what does this city do? What's kind of the nuts and bolts behind um, city hall doors? and to communicate what cities need. So this is that opportunity to focus on city fiscal sustainability, um, talk about the strengths that cities bring to the state, identify challenges that cities are facing and the tools that cities need to succeed. Moving on to a question for Sheila, how does this report differ from the 2005 series of reports that we did? Well, first of all, it's a lot shorter. In fact, I think it's about the same size as the uh, executive summary of the 2005 report. <laughs> and then we really focused on infographics and, and um, graphics to kind of tell the, the main points of the report and tell the city story. We also focused a lot more on cost drivers for cities and the extent to which they contribute to the state's health. We also drew information from a lot of uh, third-party sources, so we didn't rely solely on the survey, and so we pulled the information from things like the Joint Transportation Committee's recent report on transportation funding, census data, uh, the state auditor's uh, financial data, things like that. 
Tell us uh, a few of the overall findings. I think the kind of the overarching finding and, and sort of what we subtitled the report was cities are facing greater responsibilities with fewer resources. And I bet the cities in our audience are like, of course, that's obvious, but um, cities are really good at making it work and taking on new things and um, putting on the, the Band-Aids and just uh, cobbling it together and making it so that you, uh, the public doesn't really see all of those challenges. Um, so highlighting the fact that you're doing more with less is important. We also asked about cities' top challenging community conditions. We found that some of them are the newer, newer issues that cities rank as higher challenges, and um, some long-standing city issues also showed up in those top uh, challenges. And so uh, the top five that uh, we found in the report were availability of affordable housing, the condition of infrastructure, the availability of uh, behavioral health resources, availability of local employment opportunities, and unfunded mandates. The findings um, really did confirm that the top state strategies to support cities generally really do track with our 2020 legislative priorities. Um, they're providing funding for infrastructure, uh, ensuring local revenue flexibility, revising the 1% property tax cap limit, local options um, for revenue tools, and economic development tools. We certainly hear that from our cities all the time. Just as a follow-up question on that real quick, can you go through what a local option revenue tool is for someone who might not know? You know, cities are really diverse, and so the revenue tools that work for them are often diverse. So some cities, um, sales tax options work better. For some cities, maybe property tax would generate, generate more revenue. Um, utility taxes are important, but there's any number of revenue tools out there, and we're always trying to think of kind of creative ways that um, cities can find new ways to fund the things that their community wants. So Sheila, some of the focus of the report was on what cities bring to the state. What were some of the other key findings? Well, we found that cities are 4.9 million residents, and that makes up 65% of the entire state's population, and those numbers are growing. We found that 2.3 billion of the state's property tax comes from assessed value in cities, so we're contributing to the state's reliance on property tax. Cities also generate 9.4 billion in state sales tax. And cities generate $2.8 billion of the state's B&O tax. What about city finances? Well, fiscal sustainability has been an issue for cities for a long time. And right now, their immediate response, most cities feel like they're better off than they were in the past. Of course, that's coming out of the Great Recession. Um, but they are a bit hesitant about the future. Uh, by 2023, cities predict that they'll be less able to meet their needs. 14 only 14% are expecting to be better off, and 38% are expecting to be worse off by 2023. And that's pretty consistent with where national predictions are about the likelihood of a recession or a slowdown in the next few years. I think one of the biggest numbers um, that surprised me a little bit is just the number of cities who are saying that they're falling short um, of current expenditures. The revenues are falling short of current expenditures right now. One third of the respondents to our survey indicated they were falling short. 
Sheila, can you tell me a little bit about the public safety and human resources, the major findings? Uh, So we found that in less than five years, 47% of law enforcement will be eligible for retirement. Since 2000, the number of city personnel per thousand has decreased by 19%. At the same time, Washington's population has grown 28%. And uh, in the pension area, PERS 2 pension rates have increased 82% since 2012. You know, I would just add when it comes to some of these numbers and the impact of human resources on cities that the the people who work for cities, our public servants, are so important. Uh, cities don't produce widgets, so the most important thing that we do involves public service and our employees helping to do so. So our public servants are really important and they're also a big part of um, the budget and the cost of providing services so these numbers are pretty indicative of where a lot of city um, expenditures are going to the people who provide the services moving on to our chapter on infrastructure and transportation what were some of the findings that you can report candace you know, infrastructure and transportation are sort of the backbone of what cities do. And for a number of years now, we've been really concerned about the fact that we're not able to keep up with our aging infrastructure, nor meet the demands that growth is placing on our communities. Um, and I think we also heard loud and clear that infrastructure and transportation investments are good investments. So for every dollar invested in infrastructure, it generates a dollar fifty in economic output. Um, so you know, that's, that's a good uh, multiplier effect there. Uh, cities listed transportation as their most sig- significant need. 40% of cities indicated that. Um, in, along that, those lines, 25% of our state's trips, so car trips, um, are on city streets. But only 8% of the state's transportation budget comes to cities to help offset those costs. And there's uh, about a billion dollars gap in our transportation funding between what we need for maintenance and what we have um, available to us. So there's a lot of demand in the area of infrastructure and transportation to invest in um, maintaining what we've got but building more. Sheila, can you tell me a little bit about what the report found for areas of affordable housing and human services? Sure, this is definitely one of those areas where cities really reported about new challenges. And so 80% of cities reported that state assistance with affordable housing and local planning would be uh, helpful. Three quarters of cities reported struggles with homelessness. And similarly, 75% of cities reported that access to behavioral health services were a challenge in their community. Candice, can you talk a little bit about some of the new challenges that cities are facing and what the state can do to help? Affordable housing and human services and um, crisis in our behavioral health system, um, challenges around homelessness, those are all areas that we've been asking the legislature to support us on. Um, And they're things that cities haven't necessarily, as Sheila said, had to address in the past. These are new challenges. And we're not necessarily um, prepared or um, resourced to 
address those. So we've been asking the state for some new funding tools to help spur um, investment in affordable housing. This year, the governor's proposed some new funding to help with sheltering. Um, so that's an important thing that we are hoping will come out of the 2020 legislative session. And last year, the state invested a lot more in our behavioral health system, but those are investments that are going to take time to uh, realize in our communities. So uh, we, do, we still want the state to be aware of those impacts and looking for other ways that they can help us. So tell me a little bit about what the report found in terms of economic development. Every time we ask um, our city officials what's important to them, they always talk about economic development. They um, really are driven to provide robust um, economic opportunities in their communities. They want diverse businesses. They want places where people can uh, have a have their job close to where they live. So it's really important to them. But they don't have a lot of tools to make that happen. And they've got barriers. So 77% of cities reported that um, a lack of street or transportation infrastructure was a barrier to economic development in their community. 94% um, of cities said that they would like the state to provide more programs for economic development, uh, more tools that would really make a an impact on their community. One of the last programs that the state funded to help cities with economic development opportunities was uh, LERF, or the Local Revitalization Funding Program, but it hasn't been funded in about 10 years. It did uh, have a dramatic impact, though, and it still is having a dramatic impact. Even in 2017, cities reported uh, $359 million in benefit to the state from the, the limited funding that they got through the LERF program which is one of the reasons that here in the 2020 session, we are asking the state to reauthorize the local revitalization funding program and to offer cities a property tax-based tax increment financing tool. I think it's important to talk about the symbiotic relationship between businesses and cities. I wonder if you could expand on that a little bit about cities coming or businesses coming into cities and then providing benefit to the state. Our state's economy is primarily locating in cities. They need the infrastructure support that we offer. They need roads. They need water. They need sewer. Um, so they're locating in cities. We want to support that. We want to have a diverse economy. Um, we want people to be able to live near where they work because that helps our congestion and transportation problems. So there's a real um, important relationship between our cities and our state's business community. Candace, what's the bottom line? What's the takeaway from this report that people can use? You know, we all know how amazing cities are and everything they do. And so we want people to um, understand more about what they do from this report. We want them to understand that cities are the economic drivers of our state. And that as the population centers where most Washington's residents live or work, cities really serve as the hub for our state's regional economies. Cities generate the state's revenue within our borders through sales tax, B&O tax, and property tax. As owners of much of the state's critical infrastructure, streets, water, sewer systems, stormwater, cities are essential to getting goods to market. Cities are the government closest to the people, and we partner with the state to serve all of our Washington residents. So that's kind of a lot of key takeaways, but I think it's really just driving home the value of cities uh, to our residents, to our state as a whole, and pulling back some of that, um, some of that mystery of what we do and, and why we need the help that we um, are asking 
uh, for from the state. So Sheila, what is next for this project and what should cities be doing now? Well, we just rolled the report out and so we'll be rolling out more messages and data stories over the course of the legislative session. We're also hoping that cities take the opportunity to share this data and the key messages with their legislators and their communities as they tell their city story. And finally, uh, we are going to be working on some more research. We've got two more smaller research reports scheduled for this year, uh, probably focused on local authority, home rule, and maybe another topic like housing and growth. The State of the Cities report is a really great document, and we really want to thank all of the cities that helped us out by responding to the survey that we sent out last fall and helping um, provide input and data. Uh, it took a lot of time to do that, and we're really grateful to them. Um, we encourage them uh, to keep helping us, as Sheila mentioned, when we've got some additional projects that we're going to be working on this year. And we really want to make this State of the Cities report an ongoing um, tool for our cities um, and for others to communicate what's going on in cities and what, um, what they need and what they offer. Thanks for listening. You can access a report in the show notes or by visiting our website, wallcities.org. The AWC City Voice podcast is a production of AWC, where our mission is to serve our members through advocacy, education, and services. This podcast was recorded and edited by Mitch Netzer. It was produced by Sheila Gull with help from Maggie Douglas and Candace Bach. I'm Emma Shepard. I'll see you next time.